0: Performing, and, and not just performing, but um, practicing improv as well, got me to be more okay with quote-unquote making mistakes, um, and, and that there's kind of a parallel for that in the kitchen. You know, I was cooking for 10, 15 years before I started doing improv, but I'd, I'd hit the point at some point in my time in the kitchen where I was like, look, if it doesn't turn out exactly right, it's going to be okay. Overall, for the for me these days, it's a nice reminder as I'm playing in the kitchen that like this is a space that I get to be creative in. There are, there are almost no rules. There's very few um, consequences. Just just joy and flavor.
1: Welcome back to A Muse Bouche, a podcast where we muse about food. I'm your host Kailani Palmisano, and this week we're looking at recipes from a social sciences standpoint. Like, how much do we stick to the script versus how much do we improvise in the kitchen? What does this mean for our cooking? And also, what does this tell us about ourselves? And who better to ask than an improv actor who also has a PhD in brain and cognitive sciences? I'm talking about none other than Neil P. Bardhan. In Philadelphia, we have this game called Six Degrees from Kevin Bacon, where we try to trace our personal connections back to see just how close our social circle overlaps with Kevin Bacon. It's this quirky game that tries to illustrate just how small Philadelphia can feel sometimes. But when you know Neil, Suddenly, the city seems even smaller. Nay, I would argue that the entire East Coast shrinks because it just seems like anyone who's in the arts and performing community between here and Rochester knows who Neil is. It's wild. That's because Neil is a pillar in our community, especially in the arts, not only has he been a longtime improviser, he's also the executive director of the Broad Street Review, a publication that focuses on the arts in Philadelphia. He also studied cognitive science at the Johns Hopkins University for his undergrad and got his PhD in brain and cognitive sciences at the University of Rochester. I I, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking like, what, arts and cognitive sciences? Yeah, they seem like completely different worlds, but Neil has built himself a really fascinating career, bringing these experiences together. But he also brings this unique perspective to the world of food, whether he's contemplating the perfectly constructed breakfast sandwich or riffing with spice blends in his pantry. His multitudes really got me thinking about improv with cooking, the language of recipes, and just how these worlds collide in the kitchen. So Neil, do you follow recipes to a T or do you just shoot from the hip when you're cooking?
0: It depends on the recipe and the day and about 17 other factors that I couldn't even name right now. But I would say by and large, I do not follow a recipe to the tea. Uh, I know that there's some just, dis- I feel like there's been a lot of discussion on the internet these days of should you follow the recipe exactly or just make it work for you? Uh, and I'm generally more of the make it work for you variety. Um, yeah.
1: I, I agree. I'm, I'm in the camp of like a recipe is just kind of a loose recommendation for a meal, unless it's something super specific where I'm learning entirely new techniques. Uh, will I ever just follow a recipe to a tea? But for the most part, it's like, I, if I enjoy the spice blend, I'll go and use that elsewhere.
0: Right. Right. I can think of one recipe in the past six months or so (laughs) where I thought I want to follow this to a T for for a variety of reasons. And I partway through realized I wasn't going to be able to quite make it work. And so I just had to let go and um, let go and let leg of lamb, I think, is probably (laughs) what I should have said, Uh, because so specifically this was for Thanksgiving and. I was not the one who acquired the lamb that I was roasting. I'm not used to cooking lamb. It's a recipe from one of the Allison Roman cookbooks, I'm pretty sure. Um, And partway through, I was like, oh, this is a different cut. This is a different. I don't quite know what's going to happen, but I can't I can't start this all over again. So let's just see what happens. Um, And that was I think that was the last time I tried to follow a recipe precisely.
1: I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Thanksgiving, uh, especially when people are, they need to recreate these recipes where they have lots of fond food memories. Did you feel Mm -hmm. that pressure this year or in previous years?
0: No, not this year. Uh, This year, because it was just my little household pod. um, Mm -hmm. uh, So there was, for what I was making, um, a fair amount of leeway about what What transpired? And we were pretty generous with our interpretations of what foods do we want? Um, In years past, when I've tried to recreate certain um, memorable recipes, I've tried to stick really to, you know, the recipe as my mother has typed it up for me or the recipe as I used it seven years ago. And I knew it was a a star of the show that day. Uh, But yeah, this Thanksgiving 2020, all bets were off.
1: Can you speak to recipes and what they might mean through a scientific lens of a person who studies brain and cognitive sciences, <laughs> sciences and psycholinguistics? Like, is there like some type of scientific uh, way in which we examine um, recipes? Because I feel like there are people that are like very, you know, want to be to the book versus people that are a little bit more loosey-goosey.
0: Interesting. Um I mean, I think of the recipes kind of what you're saying as, as like a protocol to follow and you can, you can follow it the same way each time and see how closely your results come out to each other, or you can make changes to the protocol. And I think of this is you know, kind of an extension of your first experiment is all right. If I substitute, um, sour cream for yogurt here, what happens? And you know, the, you've got the little dairy variable, um, Dariable. That's it. Okay. All right. We're starting early <laughs> here, folks. Um I, I think recipes are like in like in scientific experiments, but also I think a lot of ways of approaching the natural world, just a great scheme for attempting to control all these different things that are out there. Um and and some people are really comfortable with it, and other people say whatever res- results happen have happened and i'm going to smile and have learned something and probably eat it all the same um or make so I think a happy
1: it, little accident and <laughs> create something entirely new
0: right right and um and i think some of that speaks to like what people are comfortable eating like some people are going to eat whatever they make regardless of how it tastes and other people are going to say you know what if i if i didn't if it didn't come out exactly as it looked in the picture, it's going straight in the trash. Uh and I think most of us are somewhere in between, <laughs> hopefully. Um and and for me, that's that's come from years of experience and recognizing where where my strengths lie and what recipes I should try at a certain time. Um it's yeah, I, I think they're I think recipes are kind of a, a lens to use.
1: There's definitely like I feel like baking is a lot more of an exact science than than cooking cooking is a lot more forgiving but there is kind of something to be said about oh there does have to be this kind of order in which ingredients are added to a certain dish i can respect that
0: yeah yeah definitely baking baking is a, a a chemistry project mostly um and then and again, I think it comes with the experience of knowing where you can fudge around a little bit with it. Um, I have a recipe, my my mom's banana bread recipe that I've made hundreds of times, if not thousands. I know where I can shift a little bit and substitute in applesauce instead of butter, let's say, or... Um, what,
1: okay, what is this bread, by the way?
0: Okay, it's just, it's a pretty straightforward banana bread recipe, you know, kind of a one bowl um nothing, nothing fancy about it to me. Um, But it's, it's the recipe that my mom made it all through my growing up. She'd send it in care packages when I was in college. I have friends who've been making it for 20 years now as well. Um, And it's, to to me, it's very forgiving. But I recognize that to, to somebody who hasn't had it before or hasn't tried making it, it might not be so because they might they might try the whole wheat flour substitution and that doesn't always work out. Um but I've I've learned over the years where I can play around a bit. Um and I've you know, I've done everything like I've cut the um I've cut the sugar in half, which t- to my mind almost shouldn't work, but it does because the original is so sweet <laughs> that you still end <laughs> up with, with a very banana y fruity um sweet bread. So
1: Oh, so you've like so it's almost like a fluency you become fluent mm-hmm. in a type of cooking or baking, and so then you you can have a mastery over the language of the recipe, so you know what to tweak, you know what to take out, you know which words to change, kind of
0: yeah, I think, and I think you you understand the shades of meaning a little bit of what happens if I use um flavored yogurt instead of plain yogurt.
1: I want to play around with banana bread now. Oh, I've I've um just started exploring mm-hmm. replacements. So I made breakfast cookies a few weekends ago where oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I want to explore what this flourless baking kind of looks like. And the idea of using bananas and peanut butter um, and then maybe like a few eggs to kind of make them fluffier. But I did see mm-hmm. recipes where you didn't even need eggs. It just was like, oh, this doesn't seem right. I'm so used to flour being used, but it is kind of amazing how you can just kind of switch out certain ingredients. And I know you mentioned applesauce because apple, mm-hmm. applesauce is another replacement.
0: Yeah, applesauce is really kind of weirdly powerful considering how simple it is. And it's like, I can substitute it for butter in certain places or for other fruits in other places. Um, and it it's a reminder that like sometimes these simple things actually have a lot more going on. Um, than we than we want to give them credit for.
1: Out of out of curiosity, just because of uh, how long you've researched and studied, mm-hmm. like cognitive sciences and um, psycholinguistics, is there does does the need to follow a recipe or the need to improvise and everything in between kind of say something about our mental states at all? Because I feel like people are fluid. Like I'm very fluid in terms of whether I'm riffing in the kitchen or following a recipe or even trying a new dish, which kind of needs, I need some type of reference point.
0: Yeah. I think it, it speaks to, uh, this reminds me of a, a specific lecture that I heard in my social psychology class 17 years ago, uh, which is, it's about schemas and expectations. Um, if you have a particular expectation for how, um, an interaction is going to go. Sometimes that's met. Sometimes your, your schema is reinforced, right? Think of um, a trip to the post office, right? Let's, let's get away from food. You have an expectation about, you're probably going to stand in line. (laughs) You're probably going to purchase postage or, you know, pay money to the postal service at some point. Um, There's not a whole lot of deviation from, from what that is likely to look like, but when it does, that's very interesting to you um and that's a let's say that's a, something that you have a pretty strong representation for because you've been to the post office hundreds of times let's say and right, and right. maybe you have a schema for something that you actually have a pretty weak idea of which is um let's say uh buying a ticket to ride a a, a ferry all right you probably haven't done that as many times as you've gone to the post office you might have <laughs> certain expectations but maybe they're not met or maybe they're not as strongly represented and so i think recipes are a bit like this where you may have a sense of where it's going because it's my mom's banana bread recipe i know how this is going to go within um, certain constraints uh, versus other ones where i say i really don't know what this is and so i'm just going to start to explore it a little bit and see what happens or i'm going to try to follow it exactly and see if they're if they're telling me the truth about the bake time, um, oh, I think yeah. I think that's a whole episode right there is timings the recipes <laughs> and whether or not everybody's lying to you. <laughs> it's the recipe conspiracy. Yeah, but yeah, it's um, it's a, a recipe is kind of an idealized version of here's what it's like to, to take these ingredients and follow this process and expect a certain outcome. And I think the rest of the world is, is like that as well.
1: And in, in addition to you know your love of cooking and love of breakfast sandwiches, which we'll get into a little bit later, I do want to talk a little bit about your work in improv and how mm-hmm. much it has influenced so many corners of your of your life. You know, you bring it into your work. It mm-hmm. uh, it seems like it's a fantastic exercise in communication and kind of speaking to improv in the kitchen. I know you work with spice blends as well, which spices feel more bespoke. They feel like very much like a thing that can be tweaked in the moment based off of your mood. Uh, tell me a little bit more about how many days of Neal's spices was it?
0: <laughs> so um, the phrase I use is 100 days of Neal's spice. But what's funny is, um, so this comes out of the 100 Day Project. And I, I wish I knew who, who had started this um, kind of initiative and their their idea which is is lovely and people should check it out is that um if you're somebody who does something creative um join this kind of hashtag online emergent community of doing 100 days of whatever creative thing you're setting out to do 100 days in a row and there's you know a set schedule for it and you can get email reminders and prompts and um happy happy vibes and so on Uh, and i did this first maybe about six years ago and tried to make a different spice blend for 100 days in a row. And I got to maybe day 70 or so. Like, I got pretty far. That's Um, pretty
1: far. I mean, 70 is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, and I was... And on top of that, I was keeping track of what they were. Like, it wasn't just... Throwing things around in the kitchen, I was writing it down as well. So somewhere around here, I have a notebook um, with a bunch of spice blend recipes that I'll, I'll refer to occasionally and think like, hmm, "I did a really nice job." Um, and what's like really fascinating there uh, is the reminder that like, first of all, there's so many different different kinds of spices in the world, and if you want to, if all I wanted to do was play with salt, pepper, and garlic powder, I, w- I could have weeks of experimenting in different proportions of that. And, and that's keeping it really simple. Uh, on the other, other end, let's say I'm playing around with um, seasonings for pizza sauce, so many different possibilities there. I could have weeks of that as well. And then you expand it out to kind of everything else you, you ever make in the kitchen. Um, and and there's so many different possibilities. So, yeah. So I, I say 100 days of meal spice, but I actually apply that to like every spice blend I make. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have for years incredible. now. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't oh, done, wow. ha- I've never done 100 days in a row. Um, and uh, maybe 100 I,
1: days collectively at this point.
0: A hun- more than 100 days collectively, certainly. Um, but, overall for the for me these days it's a nice reminder as I'm playing in the kitchen that like this is a space that I get to be creative in there are there are almost no rules there's very few um consequences just just joy and flavor uh, and i'm I'm un you know within reason I'm unlikely to really screw it up
1: so with um So your approach to creating spice blends was thinking of a dish and then thinking about what spices would work with that dish. So you were kind of... Like I'm, um, it's not backwards, but it's almost like not backwards engineering something, but you're just kind of thinking about like for pizza sauce, I feel like tomato sauce, because it's very acidic. Um, mm-hmm. There's only like some th- certain things that you could really, although there's a lot that you could actually put there's with a lot. tomato yeah. sauce. There yeah. is a, There is a lot there. So that's how you were kind of approaching it. Did you approach it in terms of meats too? Like, oh, did you make things like for fish spices or meat spices and-
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was pretty application specific. I would say like, start with, um, is it, am I making an apple pie today or am I making, um, just scrambled eggs, which is, you know, a blank palette of, of its own. Um, and then from there say, all right, what have I done already in this, in this realm? What do I want to try that's different and new? Um, am I, am I looking to do something, uh, with a little more heat? Have I, have I purchased something new? that I want to start playing with, um, because that's that's another kind of strange part of it was that there I wasn't just using my basic spice elements, I was also using pre-made blends and doctoring those.
1: Ah. Oh yeah, so I, I was going to ask you too if um was there a star spice that stood out that was a foundational spice that something you kind of kept leaning on and introducing or one that seemed very versatile.
0: I think that was probably the start of my love of cardamom, uh, which is just one of those wonderful players that once you, once you recognize it and understand how many places it can fit, um, it, it really, it really does a lot of, uh, of, of great work because it has sweet and savory applications. It crosses cultures. Um, Would I put it in my scrambled eggs? Honestly, probably not, but could I combine it with something else to put in scrambled eggs? Definitely. Um, so, yeah, cardamom started to show up that way for me there.
1: Oh, I agree. I use cardamom in a lot of things. I bake with it. I love making shortbread cookies with different types of cardamom. And you can mm-hmm. even make, like, there was a vanilla cardamom cookie that I was making. But then there was, like, also a very deep chocolate one that I also put, like, pink peppercorns into. And that was the bomb. That was so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See? Yeah, it, it has a lot of places it can go.
1: It does it fits in a oh i I want to go play with cardamom now <laughs> <laughs> so in in addition to um in addition to spices, you're also like like the aficionado when it comes to breakfast sandwiches in Philadelphia. And we've talked Mm -hmm. a lot about breakfast sandwiches (laughs) over the years and, you know, we've discussed what a breakfast sandwich is, which maybe, maybe that's where we should start. And then we'll explore all of the avenues in which like, is this a world that you can also kind of improv in?
0: Yeah. um, The short version there is yes. Um, To me, a a breakfast sandwich has leavened bread products um, and, uh, at least an, a cooked egg in the middle and then anything beyond that. And, and you're looking at different, different layers, different subgenres of breakfast sandwiches. So it's, um, it's a pretty wide world.
1: <laughs> yeah, it definitely. Cause even if you think about how much bread you can make, Oh, I've seen breakfast sandwiches on English muffins, bagels, mm-hmm. ciabatta, challah. Like there's the, there's that variation. It's like branches off into a million different realities.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Same and then eggs. how you, you can
1: scramble them, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Scramble oh, over scrambled over medium. Um, and if they're scrambled, are they kind of scrambled two at a time and then thrown on your sandwich? Are they uh scrambled kind of in a vat and then thrown into um like a a, a tray together and cooked in one giant batch, and then you cut out a square of them that fits on the sandwich. Um so many so many <laughs> There's so many ways to scramble an egg. Who knew? Um, yeah, it's uh, it's heartwarming uh, and also kind of terrifying when you when when, when you and by you I mean me uh, when I realize like I'm just gonna have to keep exploring that like this this will never be done. I will never have had them all, um, and there will be options that are just not available to me, even though I can make them up um, for. Due to constraints of the laws of physics, I guess.
1: <laughs> if you, Did I go if too you far could then? break. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, my backdrop is like the universe yeah. It's stars and planets. It's yeah. an old, like, 90s blanket. But, yeah. you know, I, I was going to say, like, wh- okay, if you could break the laws of physics, if you could defy mm-hmm. the laws of physics, like, what would be the ultimate breakfast sandwich?
0: Oh, man. Um,. Let's see here. I don't know how much how many laws I even need to break for this, because some of it could just be dealt with through pure logistics, which is um so something that I really like that this is gonna sound out of left field. A Bayes brand English muffin. I didn't know Bayes until about a year ago. I think they're I think they're a Jersey company, or at least they're a mid Atlantic thing. Um, but they they really are a phenomenal sandwich making English muffin. Um, they got a lot of, a lot of heft to them. Um, and then see now, now things start to get interesting. I want my egg fried and like over medium, um, cheese. What am I going to go with here? I love a fresh goat cheese for a, for a breakfast sandwich. I really do call, call it bougie, call it whatever, but it, it's the right mix of like tangy and spreadable and flavorful um and then some it's hot like a sauce cream
1: cheese cheese cheese
0: exactly kind of. exactly yeah. um a hot sauce of uh usually sriracha is easy to get but even um i would even try like a tapatio on some goat cheese um Ooh. and a sausage patty now i don't know as much about sausages as i used to but i feel like sausage is something that is incredibly localized like And and doesn't necessarily ship well, Um, so I can see my wanting like a sausage patty from like North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Uh, and getting that on the Bay's bun, I think, is the challenge. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then the other thing that I'll throw in there is. um, My own homemade like garlic pesto, um, garlic parsley pesto uh this was a thing i was doing um a lot of playing around with in summer 2020 uh was just throwing whatever herbs garlic oils nuts and citrus we got in the kitchen and um i came up with this really like i don't i don't love parsley i I would i should say i would never would have said that i love parsley but i ended up with a bunch of it threw it in with some garlic and just enough oil and you pull it out of the fridge a couple of minutes before you spread it on and it is perfectly herbaceous and peppery and you know add that to the sandwich i just described and it's yeah
1: It's a lot. It's dangerous. Like like, this is very dangerous. These are very specific flavors that, like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: they do sound like they would be really good together. However, you dance on the line of it, like being like, is it too powerful? The only way Mm -hmm. to know is to really find out. But if the bread, I feel like if the bread is hefty enough, if it has enough nooks and crannies where a lot of flavor can hide, you can likely pull this off.
0: Yes, and, um, and these these Bay's muffins. I you, after after we record, you'll have to look up the like store locator for them um, because okay. they they're not consistently available. I would say. Okay, um, I can't
1: believe like I live. I have grown up in Jersey. I live in Jersey now, and I can't believe I've never heard of this brand.
0: Yeah, um, I'd like to give credit credit. Uh, Cameron Kelsall, who I uh, do some work with, who I think is uh, a neighbor of yours, actually, uh, turned me on to them. He said, no, you got to try these English muffins. <laughs> it sounds so, oh so funny to recommend a, a store bought brand, um, but they and, they hold.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice. So, going going back to the sausage in particular, why mm-hmm. specifically North Carolina, South Carolina? You said like around the Carolinas. I don't
0: know. I just I just feel like there's going to be something going on there. I haven't I haven't been down there in a minute, but um, just like a locally made sausage that is not just Italian style, but has a lot of yeah. And we're talking yeah. like a
1: pork sausage because this Sorry, is the land sausage. of pork. Yeah, I implied
0: pork. About. I implied yeah, pork when I said sausage. <laughs> if if anybody was confused about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness well that i i kind of want to i want to see that sandwich happen for you it does sound like you'd have to have a lot of like the constellation like the planets really need to be in alignment there (laughs) to make it
0: happen definitely definitely but i was I was actually just kind on of a call before this talking about the the glory of mail order right now and how so many things can be shipped pretty rapidly. And in, in particularly if you have a little bit of flexibility in your time, you know, some of these local providers that all, otherwise, um, you know, you'd have to drive 10 hours to get to or something like that. Definitely. Uh, there, there's say, like the a yeah.
1: whole – the whole Gold Belly thing. Have you tried Gold mm-hmm. Belly yet?
0: I've, I've done Gold Belly for ice cream, specifically. Um, oh, and goodness. Had, what
1: ice cream did you get?
0: Oh, uh, Malai ice cream. They're in Brooklyn. Um, okay. uh, the Yeah, uh, the owner, creator uh, is a woman named Pooja, um, who comes at it from, you know, she's um, Indian-American, grew up totally in the States and has like certain flavors from her childhood that she, she wanted to to play with in ice cream. Um, and she is creating like seasonal flavors as well as things that are year round and they're, they're fun and they're jam packed with flavor. And, you know, she develops great relationships with the spice providers. Um, but we've ordered, excuse me, a couple, couple packages. I'll say.
1: (laughs) What flavors do you have a favorite?
0: (laughs) Um, the Turkish coffee. Um, oh my
1: goodness! Yes, w- oh, which is like a cardamom. Because it probably cardamom. has cardamom. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: Um. Yeah, she's doing. She's doing just incredibly delicious things, and and even combinations where I say I'm not familiar with that ingredient, or I'm not sure if that combination is going to work for me. Uh, it it still holds a lot of um a lot of power because they're they're so well crafted.
1: Oh, that's yeah. I love a good. Ice cream, especially when people are doing really interesting things uh with it. Uh right now I'm like doing a lot of research on saffron and an Indian chef had like, I don't know why, I just never thought to do this, but to bloom the saffron in in milk. And then you (sighs) can do all of these sweet applications to it. And I've seen people making saffron ice cream, which I kind of want to get my hands on.
0: That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. Definitely a pretty penny, but definitely worth it. And uh,
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That's luxurious ice cream. If there was ever such a thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> ice cream is already luxurious. Yeah, <laughs> It just is even, that's the most, we, that's what kills me is like, I feel like we live in the most decadent society right now, just because of what you were saying about, we can get all of these spices and things from around the world. We can get all of these incredible flavors. We can order, you know, ice cream from Brooklyn and have it shipped to us. It's, I had I had a cheesecake shipped to me from from Mississippi. Like,
0: <laughs> do we need that? No. Is it awesome? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> ah, yeah. uh, so you run a show, a weekly show on Facebook and on YouTube, uh, streaming live. Uh, mm-hmm. Neil and Ryan. The, the, your dinner party. Yes. You've combined it, but <laughs> you've collided your names to create yes. some Franken name.
0: Yes, which makes it impossible to refer to uh, by people who <laughs> haven't committed to memory exactly how ridiculously we've mashed up. So it's, I
1: just um, want to like it, it almost reminds me of B.T. Barnum and Bailey is like kind mm-hmm. of what it reminds me of. That's what it feels like. But please, well, okay, so it's As, your two names we were- combined.
0: We were going for more like the, um, the, the Benefer, you know, um, Jennifer kind of Aniston Ben Affleck. Oh, but yes. It's hard to say who's which, um, in this scenario. <laughs> uh, so it's my dinner party with Ryan Neal P.T. Hanlow. um, because our, our last names are similar enough that it s- seemed easy, um, to do. And Ryan Neal just sounds like a very funny, um, modern name. Um, but yeah, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan T. Barlow <laughs> and I, um, we've been friends for, about seven years and we used to get lunch together every couple months and just really have it seemed like more fun than we were supposed to be having on a, on a weekday lunch do you know what i mean
1: yeah um, oh yeah
0: and and we're both performers and he's hosted his own uh, sort of improvised character show and we just kept thinking like there's something neat about tuning into a dinner party of some sort or sitting on the sidelines of a dinner party. Like what, what does that look and feel like? So for a couple of years, we were kicking around the idea of, is it a podcast? Is it a live show? Is if it's a live show, is there real food? Does anybody want to watch <laughs> other people eat real food? <laughs> probably not. Um, There's
1: and whole then, YouTube channels dedicated uh, to, to it though.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. But do you want to watch me eat it's food? Probably niche. not. It's, it's, probably it's niche. Not. Um, and then 2020 happened and we thought, let's try a digital version of this where we don't have to think about um, some of the in-person aspects. Let's just have a, have a Zoom with somebody interesting we know and we're, we're each eating a meal and pretending like we're at a potluck but not pretending too, too much. Um, and just catching up with, with interesting friends and asking them more or less the same questions every time. Um, but we hear people's experiences with dinner parties about, you know, their latest projects and, um, always throw in, you know, a little game or something to make it fun. So we're not just sitting there eating for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very, I, I dare say wholesome or at least simple show that is not quite comedy. It's not a straight interview um it's uh pleasantly pleasantly in between and um yeah just like a a nice homey kind of art
1: it's it's fun it's like because uh, and as you come to find out it's dinner parties are less about the actual food and more about the people that you're hanging out with it's almost like the food is an excuse to hang out with one another but right. the, it's really about catching up. It's really about conversations. Like, And that's what kind of happens on the show.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we, we expect everybody is having something like a dinner at some point. But if they're not, okay, that's fine. It's not... I mean, even like,
1: if it's like drinking, you know? Yeah. Like just having yeah. like a glass of wine and, you know.
0: Exactly. Um, and so we... Yeah, we've just found it to be a really lovely way to see what see what some people that we know are are up to these days. And um, it's also it's also different than a lot of like comedy shows or, or kind of other things, because there's so much intention behind it. Like we're we're sitting we're saying, here's what we're going to ask you beforehand. Um, here's kind of what you can expect. Um, but feel free to steer the conversation because you know nobody minds if we skip the fourth question let's say um and you just get to sit and and talk and listen to people and you're not really completing an agenda you know it's it's different than a zoom meeting that way Uh, and it's different than just hang out with your friends because um there is a little bit of a structure to it and the audience gets to participate should point that out too is that the audience can kind of comment and then we see those comments um and and get to share there. So, um yeah, I think we found a really nice blend.
1: And it's, you know, it, it it kind of branches off into like the the improv. Like you were saying that you just oh, here's the four questions, but like feel free to like steer the conversation cuz that's how conversations go. There's conversation topics go... to discuss. Yeah, they they meander, they careen. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. scenic route.
0: Exactly. Um and I think that's something that like Ryan and I bring from performing improv live on stage to something like this or um, or lots of other settings, which is we're okay if things go in a very different direction. We'll we'll be fine with that as long as everybody's having a good time. We're having a great time.
1: How often does like food intersect with improv in your career? Because I feel like it's it kind of intertwines (laughs) often.
0: I would I would say in a performance way, almost never. (laughs) Um, uh, In in a at home am i thinking of improv while i'm in the kitchen a bit yeah um performing and and not just performing but um practicing improv as well got me to be more okay with quote unquote making mistakes um and and that there's kind of a parallel for that in the kitchen you know i was cooking for 10 15 years before i started doing improv but going back to that idea of like oh, what does a recipe do for you um I'd I'd hit the point at some point in my time in the kitchen where I was like, look, if it doesn't turn out exactly right, it's gonna be okay. And improv reminded me of that for like social things and conversations and, and some, you know, professional settings as well. Um, that there there isn't always a set plan that's gonna go exactly according to how you want it to go. Um It's best sometimes if it doesn't go according to plan and you just start to discover things together. Um, So, yeah, I don't I don't always improvise completely in the kitchen, uh, but when I do, I'm reminded that, like, all right, keep having fun, like hope for the best. Um, Nobody's grading me on this. My life doesn't depend on it. Um, I'm I'm merely figuring out kind of what's in the cupboard today.
1: Way to loop it back, Neil. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective with us. Amuse Bouche is hosted by yours truly, Kaylani Pomisano. The music at the beginning and the end of this podcast is by the Great North Sound Society and the song is appropriately titled South Street Strut. A little nod to my Philly folks out there. At the moment, I'm working as a one-woman band, producing, editing, and bringing these amazing food stories to your ears. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and also subscribe to the Amuse-Bouche newsletter on Substack, where every week I share even more food stories and recipes meant to delight and amuse. It's a free newsletter at the moment, but I do accept tips, so consider helping a sister out by throwing her a few bucks a month. If not, you can support me by liking, commenting, and sharing my work. You can also follow me personally at Kailani Says on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of Amuse Boosh, feel free to slide into my DMs or hit me up on Substack.